Well, we're going to continue in our look at this blueprint for life that Jesus has given us. And uh, uh, he has uh, given us some great principles that we can begin to uh, put into our life that many times are not necessarily natural to us. In fact, they're definitely not. Uh, and yet the, the great word of the gospel is that he does not expect us to produce these in our life, but that he has come um, uh, to do it for us as we invite him into our life and begin to journey with him and walk with him. He says, let me do it. Let me begin uh, to uh, make those changes in your heart and mind. And all we have to do is surrender and submit to him and allow him to do that and, and begin to follow and uh, put that into uh, place. And, and so uh, today we're going to uh, step into the next chapter, um, chapter six of Matthew. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew uh, chapter six. Um, in chapter five, uh, we looked at uh, really the foundations upon which we build upon, uh, the foundations uh, of our life, uh, starting with uh, our attitude of humility um, uh, and moving into uh, the flavor of our life, the, the direction of our life. Uh, and then we looked at the the righteousness, um, the materials of our life are, are letting his righteousness begin to direct us. And then last week we looked at the love uh, that is the substance of our life, that uh, we are to act in love in, in all times and in all ways to all people, even to our enemies. Today we're going to look at how we build our house because just as important as as what's in the building materials and what we are building, Jesus says we need to understand this, that how you build is critically important. Um, uh, you can have all the right materials. You can have the right blueprint. Uh, but if you don't choose to put it together right, um, it is just as, as uh, faulty as not having the right materials. And so um, let's pick it up and we're going to read um, quite a bit uh, today and uh, let's just read through it and then we will uh, come back. So we're going to read the first 18 verses of chapter six. And I'm reading out of the uh, New King James. Starting in verse one, it says, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you that they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your charitable deed may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. 
But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. But when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may be appear to, to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting. But to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So we are looking at this focus on how we do the things that Jesus has just told us we need to do. Um, so it is not that we don't need to do these. Um, or just hide them, but he's saying just get it right and do it right. And and as we look at this this um, pattern of life, we want to start with a, a few choice uh, questions and and a, especially the first thing we want to look at the very first words of this section. Now in some translations it uses the word beware. Um, in some it says, take heed. And it is the same meaning in both of them. In fact, the word beware means this, be aware. In other words, to beware of something, uh, there is a possible danger. So you need to be aware of what's going on. Um, when it says, take heed, it means stop, take caution, take notice, look at what's happening. And so I think this is the first thing that we need to do and hear this command of Jesus, because I think of all things, this is the thing that we do the least. Look at yourself. Take notice of what you are doing. Be self-aware, because I think sometimes there are those that are going to stand before Jesus and they're going to say, Jesus, when did I ever do this? I never did that. And he's going to shake his head and he's going to show us the real of our life. And we're going to see. Oh, my gosh, I. I I was totally living that way, and I just didn't even stop to be aware. Now, a lot of times it's because we don't be aware. We, we know what is there, and we like to avoid it, and sometimes we think that if I, if I can claim ignorance, oh, God, I didn't know it, so it wasn't on purpose. Um, he's going to say that that is not an excuse. As we know, if you have friends in law enforcement, uh, is not uh, an excuse or of your charge. 
And so Jesus says this, beware, take heed, stop and look at your life. You need to look at how you are living. You may have never thought about it, but you need to stop and look at what you are doing. And especially, he says, not at what you are doing, uh, because many times uh, what we are doing is good, but we can use that to cover up what is really going on inside. And so Jesus is saying what you really need to take notice of is, yes, you need to look at what you're doing. And he's already talked about that. Your righteousness needs to be better than others uh, that uh, uh, just push off the ways of God. So, yes, you do need to do right. But just doing right is not enough. You need to look at, and here's the word, your motives. What are your motives? Why do you do what you do? Do you stop and actually ask yourself that? Why did I do that? Why am I doing that? Or why do you not do what you're not doing? Why do you not prioritize that? Why is that not important in your life? Do you ever stop to think, um, hey, why, why am I not doing that? Uh, other than just, well, I don't you know, really need to, or I, I just don't give it much thought. This is what you think. Then give it thought. You need to give your life thought of your motives. Your motives matter. Why you do what you do is just as important as what you cannot just excuse yourself. This is what they did. Well, Jesus, we were nice to people. Well, Jesus, we went to church. Well, Jesus, we prayed. We gave. He says, this is what he says. Look at, look at, here's just a few uh, uh, verses throughout the Bible. And this is throughout the Bible. So it's not just uh, in the message of Jesus. But let's start in Proverbs. Proverbs 16, verse 2. He says this. All the ways of a person are clean in his own sight, but the Lord examines the motives. See, everything you're doing is good in your eyes. Hey, you know, and when you say, well, I'm not perfect, but hey, I'm doing the best I can. But God says, yeah, but you're covering up the motives that really are dirty. Um, and you might not act on all of them. This goes back to that righteousness. Remember he said, you know, murder is not just murdering. It's the thought inside that I sure would love to. It's that hate. And it's the same thing. It's your motives. Why do you do what you do? The Lord examines them all. Um, Mark chapter 7. And starting in verse 6. says this, but Jesus said to them, and he's really going to quote Isaiah. So we're really reading out of Isaiah. Rightly did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites as it is written. This people honors me with their lips. Notice this people, they do everything right. They even say the right things. But their heart is far away from me. And in vain do they worship me teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Yet neglect the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. You see, are we honoring God with our lips, with our actions, with our worship? And yet he said it was vain worship. 
Your worship makes me sick because you worship me, but your heart is far from me. It says your heart is far from me. In other words, and it doesn't necessarily mean that, that you know, you're the most wicked person. But your heart is just you're you're not doing it for God. You're not passionate for him. He's not your focus. You're just doing what you need to do. And, and you may even like it. And I'm doing that. But it's not out of a heart for God. So we need to ask ourselves, what is now? Here's the worst one. Amos, uh, one of the uh, uh, prophets, Amos, chapter five. Starting in verse 21, he says this, and this is God speaking. I hate, and when God says he hates something, I don't want to be on that side of that hate. I hate and I reject your festivals. Now, these festivals are not just parties that they were having, okay? He's not saying, I hate you. You just guys are just going out there party. He's talking about the festivals that God gave them to do. So they are following his command. He's saying, I hate your festivals when you are doing what I asked you to do, but I hate them. And he says, nor do I delight in your festive assemblies, even though you offer up to me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And I will not even look at the peace offerings of your fattened ox. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not even listen to the sound of your harps. You see, God is saying, you know what, how you're doing it and what is behind what you're doing. And when I say how you're doing it, it's not necessarily the physical things of how you do it. We do it right. And we might do it with a joyful noise and and we worship him and, and we follow him in faithfulness. But he's saying your intent, your motive is not out of love. It may be out of duty. It may be out of a sense of fear. Well, if I don't do this, but that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people that do it because they love me because their motive is, is to please their father. It is a motive of joy. And he's saying, your heart is far from me. He says, I hate this. It got to the point, I hate when you even come to church, when you even do this. Not because I don't want you. Now, see, this is where people twist this. He's not saying, I don't want you. I just want you to come with the right motive. It is how we do the things. And it's not just the religious things. It's everything you do in your life. And Jesus uses the example. He uses three things, but it's not that he's just talking about Charitable works or giving and prayer and fasting. He just, he used those three, and many times in Hebrew culture, they use threes to emphasize. So he picked three things to really cover everything that you're doing. And, and he's saying, beware of everything you're doing, why you're doing it. What, what's the purpose behind it? So we need to start with that. We need to ask ourselves, what is the motive that we do everything? Okay, why do you work? And why do you do what you do at work? Um, what's your motive behind every little thing? And, and it's it's not that we need to stop and always interrogate ourselves with every little thing, but we need, need to know in general 
and begin to be aware of ourselves because there's a danger. And so when he says beware or take heed, he's not just saying do it because you need to know. Because if you're wrong, there is an absolute danger of where it's leading you. The wrong motive will lead you to a place where God does not want you. He does not desire any to perish, but that everyone would come to, to know him. But that doesn't mean that everyone's going to. And that is why he told his people in the Old Testament, he said, I've put before you life and death. Please choose life. But yet it's up to you. If you choose death, that's what you're going to get. So Jesus says, let's look at our motives. Why are you doing? Why do you obey your parents? Why do you do the things with your friends? Uh, why do you do these things? So these are our motives. And to help us decide our motives, there are two questions. Actually, three. Here's the first question. In everything you do, this will help you find out what your motive is. Who is your audience? For everything you do, who is your audience? Um, in other words, um, there's always someone watching, right? There's always someone watching whatever you do. And if that's the case, you can't change that. So I'm not asking you to change your audience, but I'm asking, who are you aware of? As you are doing it, who are you aware of? Let me tell you, we're always aware of who's watching us in some sense. Because how many know that we can be doing something and someone walks in and immediately you know if it's not something that person wants to see and you you like try and hide it or change it, it or your heart just sinks because who are you aware of watching you? Who are you aware of in your life? And the majority of the time we are aware of people. We're aware of our boss. We're aware of our parents. We're aware of our friends. Are we in everything we do? Do we have that fleeting moment of someone watching us? And it will always slightly influence even the rebel who says, I'm not going to do anything for you. That is an action because of who they're aware of. They are aware of other people and they are specifically going to say, I'm not going to do. But still, they, they are influenced by who they are aware of watching them. So I want to ask you, who are you aware of when you live your life? Are you constantly? Thinking what other person is going to think, what my boss is going to think, I need to do this, I need to get this done, or what my spouse is going to think, my spouse is watching. Or, or maybe, here's the big one, here's the one that most of the times we're aware of, if there's no one else, we're aware of ourselves. Are you aware of yourself? That I am watching me, this is what I want, and so I am pleasing this watcher. You see, self-awareness is also a motive that, that we many times fall into. And so we're aware of how I feel about this. Well, if I do this, how is it going to affect me? And so therefore, we will slightly nudge the direction based on who's watching. And yet Jesus wants to bring this to the, to the equation. Why are we not aware that God is watching why are we not consciously acting our life with the knowledge that God is watching me? And I want to be aware of that. And, and not out of fear, but that my father is watching over me 
proudly and I want to please him? Are we aware of God there in every moment, in everything that we do? It's not just religious. It, it, it is in even our recreation. You know what? When, when a kid, uh, myself included, you all did it. You know what? When you're having fun and playing, didn't you always say, you know, you, you hit the ball. Daddy, come look what I can do, right? And you bring them into those moments. I'm talking about even those moments. Are we saying, Daddy, look at look at what's going on. We're, we are enjoying this, maybe whatever you're doing. But are you aware of, are you bringing God into that? Are you bringing the Father into that? Are you bringing Jesus and the Holy Spirit into your life that you are aware of? And that begins to affect your motive that, that, that God, I, I am doing this because you're watching. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter four reminds us of an important thing that we just need to be remembered. Hebrews four, verse 12 says, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow. And he is, and the word uh, is not just the Bible, but we know that the word is the voice of the Holy Spirit. The word is Jesus. Jesus is the word. So it is in this. The word is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him to whom we must answer. Of the one who is searching our heart. And when that is the case, it changes how we act. How many know it changes how you work when your boss is in the same room with you? It changes uh, how you take that test when the teacher is standing right behind you. It changes how you clean your room when your parents are standing in the doorway because you're aware of that. And it, you're aware uh, of, of how you do things, hopefully, when you have the right vision of who that person is, not out of fear or punishment, that when you know that that is a loving person that, that, that wants the best for you, there is a sense of I am aware and I want to please them. It's like, you know, when your coach is there or your, your mom comes to watch your game, then you want to play the best you can. You're aware of it, not out of fear, but out of God, look what I'm doing for you. And God, when I fall short, I'm aware that you're there. Help me do this. I don't think I can do it. But you see, that changes how you do it, your intentions, your motives. We need to be aware of our audience. Who is the audience that you are aware of in your life of everything you do? When you say the things you do, when you think those things, do you take it captive to say, oh, gosh, God, I'm sorry. I forgot you were there. But God, help me. Help me to do what's right to please you. Or here's the thing. Why do you not do the things you do? Because you're not aware that God's there. So when the things of God are not important to you, and you just don't have time for, uh, you know, church or prayer or Bible reading or those. When when that is just, are you not aware that God is there and saying, 
Do you not have time for me? You're just ignoring him. You have forgotten who your audience is. And so we choose many other things over what he would want for us because we forget our audience. And Jesus says, these people, they have done it for people. See, their audience are their friends. Their audience is their boss. Their audience was the people around them so that they could look good for them. And so that the, the people could see them and develop ideas about them, which may or may not be true because people cannot see your intentions. They can't see your heart. See, it's easy because that audience can only see the outside. And so therefore we are like an actor on a play that can put on such a great performance and receive the applause. And that's why Jesus called them hypocrites. Hypocrites really means an actor that doesn't see your heart. So who is our audience? That brings us to the third, the, the, the next question. And that is <clears throat> what reward, what reward immediately motivates you? What do you want out of what you're doing? What's the reward that you are looking for? In other words, what is that feedback that this is why I'm doing this because I'm going to receive something? What reward do you really want in your life? And we need to be honest. This is why Jesus said, take, take heed. Be honest with yourself. If you're not honest with anyone else, be honest with yourself. Are you doing it so that people can congratulate you, that people can see you? And we all do it. Let's just be honest. It's, he's, Jesus is not putting us down. He's just saying, I just want you to be aware of it so that you can address it. That this is in all of us. Because he says they have their reward. The reward of people. All they can do is bless you on the outside. They, they, can, they can flatter you. They can speak uh, encouragement into you, which is a great thing, and we all need that. But that is something that comes and goes. How many know that, that your spouse, let, let's just say this, when you first got married, Oh, man, they spoke some great words to you. You were just, you know, the, those letters you, you write your spouse. If you look back now, it's like, oh, my gosh, did I write that. Because, oh, man, when you were first dating or going, the, the words were just so, you know, romantic. And, and okay, that's enough. You've already said that. That's not enough. If it doesn't continue, if it's not something that goes on. The, the reward of man is like that. It is, it is like something that, that it's great in the moment, but it's not enough for your life. It does not fill the depths of who you are because it's not going to continue constantly. You can't keep it up enough to get people to constantly just be flattering you all the time. And so Jesus says, you need to understand that that reward is temporary. And as great as it is, and it just builds you up, it doesn't last. So we need to ask ourselves, are we just seeking temporary rewards? Do we just want those things that, that feel good in the moment? Are we so blind? Are we so blind that we cannot see down the road what I'm going to need? That I want something deeper than that? I mean, yes, I like those, and I want people to like me, but I need a deeper blessing and reward. 
We look at a couple examples. We look at the example of Daniel. Um, we know that he had a choice. We know that the people didn't like him, the ones that were uh, because he was powerful and God had blessed him. And so they set up a trap and they had the king pass a law that you couldn't pray. Right. So here's something that Jesus talked about when you pray. Um, uh, just pray for yourself. Go in the secret. You shouldn't get people's uh, uh, adoration. And yet when they pass that law, it says in Daniel chapter six. Uh, verse 10, 11, you can go and read that. It says that when he, the law was passed, Daniel went up on his roof, opened the windows, and began to pray to his God as he always had. And, of course, the people saw it, uh, and the, the, the men that knew that he would do this um, called the king. He got arrested um, and thrown into the lions. But we know God rescued him but the point is why would he do that in praying his motive because his motive in his life was never to please men but he said i'm going to pray like i always have because my motive is for god i am praying for my people i am praying for my nation i am praying uh, for god's blessing and so his motive no matter what the reward was from people he said, my reward is from God. And we know that God honored him and God blessed him because his reward was not from people. Second Chronicles chapter 16. Uh, the king at that time, this is an opposite example, um, uh, was being attacked by Assyria. And he's like, what do I do? What do I do? And yet... He did not trust in God, but he went and made an alliance with Egypt, which God said, you are never to make an alliance with Egypt. And they came into an alliance and they overcame the enemy in this one battle. But God said to him, he said, you know what? But that was the only battle you're going to win because you should have known that if you're going to put your trust in men, you're going to have some victories. And they're going to be with you. But down the road, he says, you are going to be destroyed because you didn't recognize this principle. And in Second Chronicles 16, 9, it gives this principle. He says, didn't you realize that the eyes of the Lord are looking all over the world for just someone to show himself strong on behalf of if their heart was loyal to him or blameless to him? In other words, that they just wanted God's approval. He says, that was the person that I will, even though they may lose some battles, in the end they will win. But because you, you wanted to please man, you are going to win some battles, but in the end you're going to lose. So the question is, what do we want at the end of our life? The reward that you are seeking is not the temporary, but it is the eternal it is where your life is going to grow into, and only God can do that. Jesus said, as you do these things in your life, as you do them for God, as your audience is God, God, you are my audience. I do this for you. Let it please you. Then your reward is going to come from God. And look what he says, openly. God, in the end, is going to lift you up 
and honor you in your life, in your desires and your dreams, but only because you did them to please God. Otherwise, if you do them to, to gain friends, to have fun with friends, you better enjoy that because that was it. You better really enjoy it because I don't think it's worthy worth enough years from now to look back and say, oh, it's worth it because, man, we had such a great time at that party. Or, man, I had so many great friends in high school and we did so many things. And yet your life is a torture. It is regrets later. It's not worth it. So why do we focus on the rewards that are temporary instead of God? Who gives us openly eternal rewards. So these examples in our giving, in our charitable deeds, in our praying, in our fasting, Jesus is saying, don't be like the people who long for others' attention. But instead, and he says this, in all three cases, he says, go in secret and do this. Now, a lot of people twist this around. So when it says, let your right hand not know what your left right hand is doing or your left hand, whatever. How many know you can't do that? That's that is these are all metaphors. Um, when he says, go pray in your closet and close the door at home. Is he saying that that's the only place you can pray that you need to go pray in your closet? And no one can ever see you. That doesn't make sense because we just use the example of Daniel who did not pray in his closet, but went out in the open on his roof with the windows open. And then in your fasting, just act like you're not doing it. Does that mean you can never uh, uh, let anyone know what happens in your life? That's not what you, in all three cases, he says in the secret, do it in the secret, do it in the secret. And God who sees you in the secret, it will bless you openly. What is he talking about this then? about doing it in the secret place. The secret place is what we mentioned before. And the reason it's secret is because we said people cannot see the heart. What Jesus is saying is that even when you do it in the open where everyone sees you, where your true intentions are, are in the secret place of your heart. Though they may see your actions, you're focused on your heart. Oh God, let this be a, 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 a honor to you. Because in the secret place of your heart, where your motives are, where the intentions of your heart are, when you begin to develop that consciously and aware of that, God sees in the secret place. And he will honor you openly. And so it is not talking, Jesus is not saying, don't go to church or heart. The secret place that the disciples couldn't see. See, no one around could see that secret place of that will. That even while she was openly giving, she was secretly honoring God. And Jesus says, I see that, which you guys don't even see. And praying. He's not saying, you know, you know, don't pray in church. Don't pray in the synagogues like these people. No, he's saying, don't do it like them. But in the secret place of your heart. Let the passion for God begin to overflow that even when you are at church, that you begin to pray out loud and people will notice you like Daniel. And when you fast, there's nothing wrong uh, with 
um, uh, letting people know, will you fast with me? I'm fasting. I'm going through a hard time, but I'm believing in God because in that we are honoring God. And here's the key. We're going to go back one chapter. Jesus has just said this in Matthew chapter five, verse 16. What did he just tell us? Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works. Now that seems like a contradiction. He just said, don't let them see your works. That's not what he said. He said, let them see your works that, <clears throat> that they may glorify your father in heaven. So it is not what they see. It is what is what they're seeing point them to. So here's the last question. What do your actions point others to? When you do this, those that are your audience that see you, what are they really seeing? Are your actions pointing them to a different audience? You see, when he says, don't do what the hypocrites do, he says, don't do as they do, who do it to draw attention to themselves. But if you do it, do it to direct them to God. So as you pray, you can pray in a certain way. In other words, again, it's how you do things. Do you do it in a way that is humble, that is God-fearing, that points people to God? Don't give me credit. Now, that does not mean you're never going to get credit. And it doesn't mean that God is not going to let other people honor you because it says that God, when you honor him, he will bring favor to you. But you let him bring that favor to you. And then even when that favor comes, I would definitely humble and turn it back to God. So he is saying, let your light so shine, live your life out loud, but let the noise of your life be a glory and honor to God. That everything you do, yes, people are going to see you give. People are going to see you pray. See, people are going to see you live your life, but let them know that it is God who lives in me. This is what Paul said. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. So everything I do, I'm going to do it for the audience of one. I'm doing everything in my life for the God who is watching over me. And I am praying that he is pleased. And when I mess up, I'm praying that he steps in and helps me and coaches me and corrects me. So that next time I can say, God, is that better? I did it right this time. You see, and he smiles over us like we sing. He dances over us. Do you live your life in that sense that God dances over me, that God sings over me? And I'm going to give him a reason to sing over my life. When that begins to be the motive of everything you do, I'm going to tell you, you're going to find more favor than you ever did by all the friends in this world. Because God will speak into your heart. You're my child in whom I'm well pleased. Is that our motive today? Let's take heed. Let's be aware. Let's be aware of our life and why are we doing it and why we're not doing it. When you're not doing those things, are you not doing it? Because people are looking, if I do it, they're going to think I'm crazy. So there's your motive of many times why you don't do things. Your motive why you can't come to church. Your motive why you can't do this 
Well, I don't think I need to. Well, really, what's your motive? God's watching you. Would he not be pleased? Let's live our life to please the audience of God who is watching our life. When we live to an audience of one, we receive the applause of all creation. You see, if we would live to that, that one audience, that audience supplies the applause of all creation in our heart, and you will never regret it. Let's bow our heads.